right, here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is science in between. Yes, it is. This is Scott. And I'm Ollie. And yeah. oh, I just, I was, I was, was teaching. An, that was an old man noise. It was. No, I just I just finished teaching all morning, so mm. we don't we usually record these in in the morning, and okay. now now it's like later in the day, later. So you're gonna and get so, low energy, Ollie. Well, I don't know if there's such a thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes I'm shot out of a cannon. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So science in between. I guess it's this is me setting this up, right? I'm setting this up. Yeah, this is you. Yeah, I don't. Yep. Well, I've been thinking a lot about, so, you know, we're both teacher educators. We work a lot with, uh, you know, pre-service teachers and helping them prepare for the profession. And, you know, one of the things that we've been doing a lot with at at Millersville is, you know, talking about the Danielson framework and uh, the Danielson framework, for those of you who are not in teacher education, um, it's a framework for teaching and learning that a person named Charlotte Danielson created, I don't know, decades ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it, at the beginning, ago. it was just an, and just an idea. It was research-based, but and evidence-based, but it was, you know, breaking down the act of teaching into different domains like the, the and we can, you know, talk about that a little, a little bit more. Um, but those domains, um, you know, looked at, you know, what the teacher does and what the ta- teacher's background is. And there's, it's been revised a ton of times. So there's part, one part is around planning and preparation. One part's around the classroom environments. One part is around instruction. The last domain is around professional responsibilities. And so these are the things that we use at, at Millersville to help um, to assess our teacher candidates and to mm-hmm. have conversations with them, not just in, in student teaching, but also in pre-student teaching experiences mm-hmm. too. And like saying, okay, how well are they meeting these? We've kind of, I would say that in the beginning, I, I don't know if Charlotte Danielson did design this so that it would be used the way it is. This is another one of those themes ooh, of the show, well, right? That's a, ooh, that's a whole nother question. That's a theme of the show. Theme of the show is you create the thing and you don't control how it's used. Yeah. Although I think that she is probably making a pretty you know, pretty penny. Oh, often. she has control of it in that respect. Yeah. They, there's the Danielson group.org. Right. Go, actually no, the just Danielson group.org. You can go there and you can see all the stuff, all sure. the things they do trainings, they have resources, they do everything. And it, it would, I would say if, if, if you live in a state in which, you know, any type of teacher assessment has been tied to, you know, uh, pay raises or anything, then they're probably using the Danielson framework. Yeah. I mean, it's only them and a couple other models out there, but Danielson is like the guy, the big guy, right? Yeah. You know, well, that's say probably not guy, but yes. Right. Well, I'm saying that the thing, the framework, yes. yes. Right. Not, not the person I'm saying the actual yeah. framework. Yeah. You the know, framework that... is, is the, the dominant and, and right. most ubiquitous sure. one out there for sure. Right. And so I thought we could do a little, crosswalk between that and maybe some of the next generation science standards or, you know, mm-hmm. ambitious science teaching and like where do these things show up? Because I think that, you know, if I was a teacher working in a school right now and I was going to be evaluated using this framework, this instrument, which I don't think is what Charlotte Danielson wanted, but this is what they're doing. And they're saying, okay, you know, this is, you know, this is your evaluation for the year. Someone's mm-hmm. coming into 
like some principal was coming into my classroom and seeing me do a phenomenon based science lesson. I don't know if they're going to be able to see the crosswalk between what I'm doing and the Danielson and how do I help them see that? Mm -hmm. I guess that's the frame that I want us to take today. Okay. I like it. So, well, do you want to use your document that you use with your pre-student teachers? How do you want to walk through these? Well, some of these components so we that, can that, unpack them. Yeah, that is the thing because, you know, there's been so many revisions to this. Like, yeah. it's like, I mean, the basic is that, um, you know, there are four domains. Each of the domains has a subdomain, right? So there's the, like I said, planning and preparation. Under planning and preparation, there's like, I don't know, six different things underneath that, right? In yeah. one model, but they've added some. And certainly when the pandemic hit, you know, Danielson threw out a whole nother way of, you know, the Danielson group was like, hey, here's another way we could probably be looking at this because of the the pandemic and, you know, multimodal instruction and mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. And so, I mean, it is pretty critical. So I don't know if it, it, it's critical for us to remember that there are different versions of this out there in the wild, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I don't know if it's as critical for us to say, hey, we're going to use this specific one we can talk about it in in general terms because i think that they all have planning and preparation that's broken down into you know knowledge of content and pedagogy knowledge of students and that kind of thing right Mm -hmm. you know and and under professional you know uh, professional responsibilities you know i don't know if that stuff is necessarily this the you know the area that we have to focus in because i don't know how much of that focuses on the actual stuff that happens in the classroom per se. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of the stuff, you know, reflecting on what we do as teachers, you know, maintaining records and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I see us, you know, spending a lot of time in domains one, two, and three, like the classroom environment and instruction. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That works for me. And you know, I love a list, so this can be fun. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank God somebody made a list of what will make you a good teacher and then put it in a, in a form that we can check boxes on. It's not a list. It's a framework, Scott. They're very different. It's a framework. Because if we talk, we we say it's a list, that's different than calling it a taxonomy, which Uh is different than calling it a framework Uh or a model. All Uh of those different. 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 Okay. So go pick something off the list for us to talk about. Uh, Okay. So I I think probably the, 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 what's the, uh, the quote I read someplace. It actually was in a movie. It was, it's low hanging fruit, but it's still fruit. (laughs) Can't argue with that. (laughs) No, it's low hanging fruit, but it's still fruit. Um, Uh, Using questioning and discussion techniques, that's under instruction domain three. mm -hmm. Engaging students in learning, that's also in domain three. (laughs) Wait, wait, read that. Just read that again. Engaging students (laughs) in learning. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. Are you poo-pooing? This is you. I am not poo-pooing. There is incredibly obvious statement about the nature of teaching. I think, no. Engaging students in learning. I mean- yeah, you definitely want to see that. You you are poo-pooing. I am. And, and then using assessment in instruction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. I think th- those those all relate really nicely to AST, right? I mean, well, I mean, this is the thing about lists, right? Is is when you just read the headings. Like you can interpret them the way you want to. And you can say like, these are, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. 
engaging students in learning. Well, that's why I laughed at that. Like, what the hell does that? Sorry. Are we explicit podcast now? I'm going to put an E on it. There's going to be an E on this week's podcast. Well, then I'm going to drop some F-bombs if that's what we're, we're going for. Our explicit, under, I'm gonna... our, our under 18 listeners are not going to be able to have yeah, access. Yeah. The parents that are listening with their kids in the car. Yes. Um, But like, you know, again, that, and I'm sure that it's unpacked. I, I, I am not going to, uh, you know, I'm not foolish enough to think that they put a, a statement like that in without talking sure. about what that means, but but the, you know, the real meat of that is in how you interpret engage students in learning. Like that's, well, that's like teach. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I, you should definitely I, teach if you're a teacher. It's like, okay, well, fair enough. Well, I don't, I mean, certainly I can read through the entire document, and, and they have a rubric, right? Of course they have a rubric, they have, which is just so, a list that you can check off. But it's a list. It's a chart. It's a rubric. It's, it's a rubric. <laughs> It's not, it's not words a list. Mean, words don't mean other words. Words right. mean the words that they mean. Don't yeah. don't don't confuse the audience here. <laughs> it is not. I don't think the audience is confused. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the it has you know specific markers as to what engagement of students in learning looks like at the yes. different levels. Markers. All right. Markers. So, so what markers are on oh, the list? Uh, is that really when you want to spend our time? <laughs> I don't know, man. You're you're driving this bus. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I think that the no one wants me to read off this list. No. Nobody wants that. Nobody no. wants me to read. I think no. instead what we should do is think about like, okay, we have these, you know, these AST, we have the the cycles of ambitious science teaching. If somebody comes in into a classroom, if a principal comes in, I think it's important for us to help, I don't know, like translate for them. Like yeah. I think that's the point that to for me is the translation because we know that, you know, our, I mean, our administrators are doing, you know, really great work. They're doing the best that they can because a lot of them aren't science teachers. Yeah, right. Sure. And so they're not, they're going to walk into, you know, a 11th grade physics class and be like doing an observation because they're required to do observations yeah. and they're going to see hopefully some, you know, ambitious science teaching. And they're going to be like, Hmm, what is this thing? You know, because mm-hmm. I, I, I've told this story before. It's like, oh, I'll come back when you're teaching. Right. Sure. You know? And and I'm like, if you're going to come back when I'm te- when your vision of teaching is happening, then you're never going to observe me. Right. It's going to be tough. It's going to be yeah. tough. And I wasn't even doing ambitious science teaching. Right. You know. Yeah. And no, so, I hear you. And I can't imagine like how messy it's going to be for you know some you know some teacher candidate who's graduating from your program this year goes off and is a first year teacher. And we know, we know how hard it is for new teachers to work into a system and be, and be a change agent or be somebody who has new ideas. Mm-hmm. And then that, that inertia of a department or the inertia of this is how we do things here, mm-hmm. that community of practice, mm-hmm. you know, enculturates them into, Hey, this is how we do things here which means stop doing that stuff because we're doing this stuff. Yeah. And then, they, you know, somebody comes in with the Danielson framework and plops it on the desk and says, this is what I want you to do. Yeah. No, I hear you. And- That's the challenge. That to me is the challenge. The challenge yeah. is how do we help them translate? Because they're, they're going to look at this and say, okay, um, yeah, this isn't, this isn't teaching. Like you haven't done any expl- explaining. Where's the explaining? You know, and yep. and it's like, well, the students are doing the explaining. Oh, yep. well, I don't know what that's all about. Yep. Like, when, when do you give them the right answer? 
well there there is no right answer, right scott that's yeah. your that's your take right yeah definitely don't want to say that to your principal kids no <clears throat> so so for right. those of you out there yeah well i mean because i mean the, the communication is that it's not a subject matter it's not like information it's the process right right yeah. And so when we talk about like under demonstrating knowledge of content and pedagogy, content knowledge is one of those things. Yeah. And so if the content knowledge they're coming in to assess is, is this, is this teacher teaching like, you know, I don't know, all of Newtonian mechanics, mm. you know, and yeah. I don't know if that, what principal is going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Only a principal who is a physics teacher. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... <laughs> Their expectation of what the how we demonstrate content knowledge or content pedagogy, mm-hmm. how that's demonstrated in the classroom is going to be very different than how you and I are teaching teachers to teach. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, the tricky bit about it is, of course, that these these things require interpretation, and one of the things that happens. Um, when you start taking a more sociocultural perspective on learning and and adopt a framework like AST or some other form of more responsive teaching, um, is that you have to change some of your underlying assumptions, and that causes you to reinterpret things. So things that you were ways that you were using language, you now have to use it differently because it means something different. Like, you know, sort of like your notion of uh, lists versus rubrics versus models versus whatever you want to put on that list of lists um, that you made. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, I, I think it is, you know, it, it, I think what you're saying that folks need to sort of hear is part of your job, if you're going to do ambitious science teaching um, and, and, or support ambitious science teaching. So this is also could be for administrators who are trying to figure out like, how do I take like, okay, I sort of get NGSS now. How do I, I but I'm stuck with the Danielson framework because that's what we use in my district. How can I use that tool in a way that will support and make it more likely that my teachers are going to teach in ambitious ways rather than as a constraint that will keep them from teaching in these ways. Um, so I think that's the other audience here, but, but ultimately whatever, whatever audience or constituency you're in, the goal here is for you to have a way to help others reinterpret what is in this framework in a way that's more sociocultural and responsive rather than more traditional and more directed. Well, that's a good point because what I did while you were talking, you. I was Googling, somebody had to do this, right? Yeah. Somebody had to do the NGSS and Danielson. Sure enough. Sure enough. <laughs> sure enough. They, uh, what is this? The New Jersey, uh, Achieve New Jersey, which is the science instruction companion, companion oh, to yeah. the Danielson framework. Okay. Yeah. Achieve New Jersey. Achieve there New Jersey. Is. And it's the New Jersey State Board of Education. They did the Next Generation Science Standards way back in July 2014. And then they did this, you know, this uh, companion for the Danielson. And I would argue, so they just focused in on three areas. Um, Actually, sorry, two domains with a uh, handful of uh, areas underneath. And I would argue that they're not doing it. They're not doing 
<laughs> all they basically do, they're, they're not doing AST. They're absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're not doing uh phenomenon based science, you know, right. which, I mean, they're kind of tiptoeing around it, but it's still very traditional. And we could put a link of that in the show notes, but I mean, this is not, a, if you're listening from New Jersey, it's not a criticism on New Jersey from New Jersey or to the New Jersey folks who probably worked really hard on this. Yeah. But I, but I think that our view of, phenomenon-based science is very much rooted in the mesh of science teaching. Yeah. Well, I think it's worth pointing out that one of the challenges, and we've talked about this a fair bit in, in a general sense, right, is that NGSS does not articulate a way of teaching. It articulates right. a way of of learning, that students yeah. should be engaged in certain practices while they're learning. So doing a crosswalk between NGSS and Danielson directly actually is is difficult because what you really should be doing is what we're trying to sort of do here is a crosswalk between AST right. Danielson because AST is an approach to teaching in a way that produces an NGSS classroom as opposed to directly connecting NGSS because it you're you've got a mediating variable there that you're missing which is the actual teaching part. Yeah, so all they do is they sprinkle in sprinkle mm, and sprinkling like the language from next generation science standards, like, you know, science and engineering practices, sure, cross-cutting costs. Because we like sauces. You can mix in a sauce. You can yeah. mix it in. Or you drizzle know. it over the top. You can drizzle, drizzle. the sauce over the a little, top. A little sure. drizzle. Sure. A little, <laughs> little NGSS drizzle on your yeah, sauce. Yeah. So they didn't bother with the. I didn't see any uh, discipline. Oh, no, there it is. Uh, disciplinary core idea. So this is... Um, this is under designing student assessments, mm-hmm. right? So they don't say mm-hmm. what they don't say is assessments are linked to student explanations. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't say that. They so don't say that. They don't. That, that's so the thing they don't say. They say uh, assessment provide evidence about students' proficiency with using cross cutting concepts, science and engineering practices, and disciplinary core ideas. Oh, there you go. I mean, that covers it. Right. So uh-huh. it it it's not it's it's situating the assessments in information, not in the processes of science, not the process of doing science, not the processes of forming evidence based explanations and you know creating models and doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, there you go. And there and there's a uh, there actually is another looks like resource out there: science and engineering practices in Danielson. How can we align classroom evaluation expectations with the components of the Danielson framework? It comes from new visions for public schools. And how? What does that look like? Is it any different? Because I'm 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 getting this feeling that all it's doing is giving more words for the word soup. Maybe let's see what they say. So they chose component three B using questioning and discussion techniques. Um. And yeah, they talk about different practices. So uh, science and engineering practice two, developing and using models, possible examples for classroom, quote, look fors, unquote. Teacher asks, quote, using your model, explain how blank affects blank. Teacher facilitates the transition from a group generated model to a class consensus model. All students are engaged in developing the group model. Teacher asks, quote, using evidence from your model, what do you predict would happen if, question mark, I forgot the closing quote, which is unfortunate. Small uh, what are you going to do, though? I um, would, so I there would, you go. I would alert them. Alert them. Uh, alert. <laughs> alert. 
This document from 2018 needs revision <laughs> five years later. Um, well, I, I looked at the same one from the, the New Jersey document, and I think that this is probably one they they do pretty well. Um, and they say under the distinguished, they say, uh, again, this is using questioning and discussion techniques. Uh, the teacher has established a culture where students respectfully provide and receive critiques about one's explanations, procedures, models, and questions by citing rele- relevant evidence and posing and responding to questions that elicit pertinent elaboration and detail. It's a lot of words, but a lot of words, but yeah, sure. No, it's, it's, it's saying, Hey, let's in, in, engage in, you know, respectful discourse around science. And explanations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's not too bad. No. I mean, yeah, I think it's it's hard, right? Because I think, um, you know, again, these these things are frameworks or lists that were developed for a, conti- a particular kind of pedagogy. And then they have been modified over time. But um, but you know it on some level it's sort of like when you look back and say oh what's wrong with the scientific method it has all the same things in it as the science and engineering practices so why don't we just use the scientific method still it's still got all that stuff and it and the problem is the reason that we developed the science and engineering practices is that list had become canonical and in, and interpreted in a very specific way right. and therefore to be able to break that interpretation you can't just ask people to reinterpret the old list you have to develop your own new list but the problem is you develop that new list and then it becomes canonical and interpreted right. in one specific way and then you know i think that has happened to danielson i think they've tried to mitigate that to the degree that they can but but it's hard because you know i'm guessing that a lot of the instruments that were that were built on top of that, which I think, as you say, many teacher evaluation systems in the, in the U S were built on that framework. They didn't get modified as Danielson continued to modify their framework, or maybe some of them did and some of them didn't. And some of those documents look exactly the same. So, um, so that the challenge here that I think is, is a consistent challenge that we see both in science classrooms and in teacher learning environments is what you're really asking people to do is reinterpret their experience in a new way. Um, and that is often, if not always very challenging. Yeah, I think. So I, I, I agree that, you know, the, the dancing is, you know, it's become the, this thing, this tool, this, you know, ubiquitous thing, but as a teacher educator working with, you know, developing teachers, it provides a framework for us to talk about things and unpack this really complex thing that we call teaching. Mm-hmm. It's a complex act that mm-hmm. requires a lot of things and a lot of those spinning plates. And we've talked about that. There's a lot of spinning plates that a teacher has to like keep in the air. And this at least gives them ideas of where to look for the plates, right? Yeah. It doesn't tell, but it's what it does is it be, it's become the plates. Yes. Again, this right. is a theme that we've talked right. about. Multiple no times. doubt. And what, you know, I'm seeing is that if we don't help our teacher candidates bridge the gap between AST and NGSS and Danielson, that they're going to go out there and their their plate is going to become the principal's plate. 
Right. Well, or, you know, another way of thinking about it, again, is there are multiple audiences. So it may be that this is an administrator who's trying to help their their um, science faculty change the way they teach. Or, you know, maybe this is a group of practicing in-service teachers who want to help their administrator understand how to evaluate them, because it's not just going to be the pre-service teachers. I mean, we obviously do have this issue that you've brought up, which is, you know, we we send our pre-service teachers out to be change agents in the world. And that's a big ask for, for these folks. Oh, it is. It's their first year of teaching. You say, well, get out there and do this totally new kind of teaching in an environment where nobody's going to support you doing it. And good luck with that. And we'll see you when you come back for homecoming. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. So I think this, well, I mean, the, go I, I go, I think about like, and I, I know our professional development that we're doing with, with the state isn't directed at the school level. Right. So we, we're not working directly with schools. We're not, right. we're working with the people who work with the schools. And so we're not, we're not directing professional development that would be attended by principals, but you and I both done work in schools, we've been in both invited, yeah. invi- and we've been invited by, you know, administrators to come and speak to science departments or science teachers or whatever. I don't see principals attending those very often. No, no, even even in instances where there have been specific requests to bring administrators, right. they often don't come. Right, right? or and- or I was brought to a, a school by the principal who didn't attend the session. He's like, I got other things to do. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, all right. Dude, that's, I why I br- that's why I brought you here. Was for yeah. The, so you were, but I mean, they have to understand too. Like, cause they if they're, that. if they're, if all, they're all on board, if they're like lens is the same lens that, you know, the teachers have, then it's going to make things easier. And may they, they can actually support the change yeah. better support it. Yeah. No, I think, well, I mean, it comes back to so many things that we talk about all the time, right? I mean, if you want people to have a shared interpretation, and another way to describe that is professional vision, right? If you want them to interpret activity in the same way, the way that you do that is you engage them in activity together and have them talk about it. Um, But having somebody give you the list because you couldn't make the meeting and now you have the list that doesn't really help you understand it. It just gives you a list and then you interpret it based on your own experience and your own practice. And this is where you get people saying, oh yeah, I already do this or whatever, right? Right. Uh, Because they're just looking at these words that are on a piece of paper and they didn't have the practice that created that list. So they're just saying, oh yeah, I do that already because I know what that means because I'm reinterpreting it in my own frame. Yeah, and that that goes... That's clear when we're talking about engaging students in learning. Yeah. Like anybody can say they're doing yeah, that. I'm do sure. I do that every day. I, I handed out worksheets. They're engaging in yeah, learning. Engaged in them and learning. I made them watch a 40 minute YouTube video on quantum mechanics. And I gave them a note taking guide. Oh, that's nice. Nice scaffold. Right. It's a scaffold. That chat GPT helped me create. Yeah. Oh, yeah. write a scaffold for a 40 minute YouTube video on quantum mechanics, chat GPT. Yes. <laughs> sure. Of course, sir. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> I can get right on that. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, what else do you want to talk about with Danielson? I mean, I feel like we, we've just scratched the surface here. So is there, are there other big because we've talked at a pretty 50,000 foot view here in terms of this. 
Are there things you specifically want to? Well, pull? we can do the since we're like in the engaging students in learning. Oh yeah. So I will I will share with you, please the, do the New Jersey's science instruction companion to the Danielson framework, the evidence of a distinguished teacher in this area. In this area. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, okay. I, I'm just making because there's a couple like parentheses and stuff uh-huh. in here that yeah. and some of it's in red and I'm red green yeah. colorblind and yeah. so uh, students consistently demonstrate proficiency through science and engineering practices with limited to no teacher support. Hmm. Okay, that's one. Well, yeah. So Number let's two. talk about that. Wait, wait, wait. Let's talk about one. Okay. For a second. Well, because there's a phrase in there that I find fascinating, and maybe you don't. Oh, I, I know. I know. What the, uh, <laughs> Limited or no teacher support. Oh, I thought you were going to demonstrate proficiency. No. Like, well, that's just, I mean, that's a, that's a, you expect that to be there in any sort of evaluative framework, something like that. But the limited to no teacher support really, so for me, it hits on an area that I think is, consistently misrepresented when we talk about ambitious science teaching and especially by people who don't like it. Right. Which is, Oh, we well, are not even really teaching. Like the right. kids are just having their own ideas and who knows, they're probably teaching each other all sorts of garbage and they don't learn anything because all they're ever talking about is their own stupid ideas, which are all wrong anyway, because I have the right answer. And they, they say I'm obviously a much nicer to themselves version of that. But I think the truth of it is you do hear that saying, well, how do you know that kids won't just come up with bad ideas that then they're going to share amongst each other? And the point is that it is not without teacher support. It is just a different form of support. In fact, it actually is support rather than teacher. Right. I mean, I would say lecturing is the classic example of no teacher support. Like you're you're treating everybody exactly the same by just standing up and talking, right? You're assuming everybody gets it the same amount, whether you give them a study guide or whatever, doesn't matter. You're treating everybody exactly the same. And that is bananas. Bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I was wondering how to spell bananas. Thank you. Um, The other marker for distinguished under engaging students in learning is this. Students are given the flexibility to decide how they're going to make sense of a phenomenon phenomenon, or to solve an engineering challenge. Okay. So it's well, about it's about the flexibility. Maybe I mean you. Yeah, uh, you could. I mean that one's pretty vague, actually, because what that's doesn't seem like that's an observable thing. So if that's intended no. to be observable, then that's. I don't know how you. I mean, I guess I guess you, can you observe flexibility? I don't know. Mm, and but I mean, it almost feels like. I mean, my interpretation of that because we're interpreting this because we don't have the right answer is um, <laughs> is the that it's something about student agency, right? That sure, that's why control I, or right, but they're not using that language, are they? No, no. It, well, giving, and even if they did, we're, we're giving them doing. the flexibility. Yeah. Students are given the flexibility. Yeah. So the the act of that we're observing or measuring for the distinguished is that the distinguished it's teacher the giving is giving things. is the giving. Yeah. The so giver. does that mean like okay, so that group over there wants to do an interpretive dance, and this group wants to do a cubist painting that represents their model, and this group wants to, you know, write a uh, a, a haiku, Sudoku. a haiku, <laughs> a, haiku. 
An yeah. a haiku, not a Sudoku. No, no a Sudoku. <laughs> I want him to do a Sudoku. Wow. Have to have I'd like numbers and then and you solve it. And when you solve it, you get the model. You know what I I say? Distinguished. Distinguished, thank you. <laughs> I gave those kids the option to write a rap, and that made it both <laughs> distinguished and culturally responsive. Oh my god. Look at please. You. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Bravo. Thank you. I just broke my arm pad myself on the I back. know. That's nice work. Best work all day. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, flexibility. That I mean, on some level, I, I don't disagree in the sense that, like, one of the things we, I think we emphasize when we ask kids to make their own models is, like, if you want to draw pictures, if you want to, you don't have to write it out all in words. It can, it can be more open than that. But I do think, like, this, this idea of, which was in fashion, I don't know, I don't think it still is, of like assessments being multimodal or something where it's like you could write a song about the periodic table and that would be, you know, that would count as your assessment. I mean, I think that the problem with that, well, there's so many problems with that, I guess, but but the immediate problem for me is like the that takes away from the authentic, authenticity of the assessment. Sure. Like the scientists don't write well they do sometimes which is sort of sad actually but but they, they write haikus yeah they write they write songs and they record them and they put them on youtube and then people show them to me and say look at this cool video i found of a, a guy who made up a song about the periodic table and i have to watch and say no that, that i do not like that sam i am <laughs> take that away from me I will not eat that in a, in a box. I will not eat that with a fox. Well, it's funny you say that because as you were talking about assessment, I scrolled down to oh. 3D using assessment in instruction. Hardly wait. <laughs> all right. So this is one of the markers for distinguished. All right. Distinguished. I think I think there was somebody who was trying to capture agency, but was doing not a very good job. But had never seen it. No. <laughs> I'm trying to capture You're trying to capture a it. snow leopard, <laughs> but like... I have no idea what it looks like <laughs> or what its behavior is. That elusive agency. <laughs> uh, students are provided the flexibility with how they will provide direct observable evidence. That's a double provide there. <laughs> direct observable evidence of their own proficiency. With using cross-cutting concepts, science and engineering practices, and disciplinary core ideas. That is a convoluted sentence right there, my brother. It is. Read it one more time so I can students, really try and grok it. Students are provided the flexibility with yeah. how they will provide direct mm. observable evidence of their own proficiency. They're blah, provided blah, blah. the opportunity to provide something. Right. Flexibility, not opportunity. They provided yeah. the flexibility to provide an opportunity evidence. to evidence that I don't think I don't see an opportunity in there. There's no opportunity in there. That's no. disappointing. Yeah, they should um, throw opportunity in there. They should. It'd be a lot better sentence. But this comes back to your okay. If I can, you know, do direct observable evidence by, you know, writing a haiku or a rap or you know, yep. Then or or putting it on a PowerPoint slide. Mm. I do love a PowerPoint slide. I'm integrating uh, technology. Wow. Yeah. yeah. First out. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think there you have it. Like what, A, what does it mean? B, how does it actually meet any of these standards? And C, it seems inauthentic. Like it's, it's, 
to take it back to maybe one of the first shows we ever did, you know, it's, it's still the death March with fun sauce. It's just, right. you're spraying it with more fun sauce. So, you know, the, the understanding is not going to be any more present if they do a haiku or a rap or whatever they do. Like what you want is that for them to express their understanding in a way that you and other people in the class can understand it so that we can see what it looks like. And I think a lot of these other, you know, attempts are false forms of agency that make it feel like you're doing something nice for kids, as opposed to what we're really trying to do here. You know, again, another thing that it mixes is this idea of like, where is the rigor, right? So that's the, it's a version of the critique that I said before about, well, kids are all going to give each other bad ideas, which is that AST is less rigorous than more traditional forms of instruction. And so these assessments to me sound actually significantly less rigorous than what we would do with an AST classroom where you have to write out an explanation and we give you lots of support back to the last one. The teacher provides a lot of support to make that possible, but you write your own explanation. Yeah. I think some people who have this vision of AST as being less rigorous yeah. are as, as viewing it. Like you just come in, like you're, you're that phys ed teacher who just comes in and throws the balls into the, yeah. you know, uh, all right, play. Gets you know? out the record player and puts on the. Right. Uh, yeah. Here, yeah. here's the basketballs and yep. the bouncy here's, balls. Yep. Go, go play. And that's go. not what, that's not what phys ed teachers do. No. And it's, it's not what the, the model of AST is either. It's not no. like we just come in with equipment and say, okay, figure stuff out. Yeah. Go <laughs> discover with, some stuff about science. Yes. Yeah. It's not that at all. But I, I worry that, and, and, I worry that this doesn't help it, right? Now, mm. granted, this was, you know, probably predates AST a bit, or at least a, into its, you know, it's, it's much more prevalent now, AST. and, and Well, larger... it's got a book. It's, it's, right. it's it, yeah. So since, uh, when was that, 2019? Is that when it came out? But, yeah. but, but, um, and it looks like maybe. this, this document comes out in 2017. Yeah. 2016, 2017. Yeah. So the ambitious science teaching book came out, the original came out in 2018. So, so yeah, the, and the document I'm looking at here from new visions was 2018. So yeah, I think it is becoming more commonplace to hear that articulation of, of um, ways of talking about science teaching. And that also means that pretty soon, sadly, it'll go the way of inquiry and all the other things, right. It'll become a listicle that, it doesn't it doesn't actually take the real practices into account and isn't and I know the AST people, well, I think Mark Winchell actually is gonna retire soon or already has. He's sometime this year, I think he retired. We should we should effort getting him on the show. Effort him. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll talk to Mark and see if he wants to in his in his emeritus years come, come, sure. come on our stupid podcast and talk Why about it. Uh, Come on, you're you're friends with him, right? Yeah, I mean, I know him. I don't know if I, you know, I I like him. He's a nice guy, and I think he might come on the show if I asked him. We'll see. I think he'd be a a fascinating person to bring onto the show. Well, any of those folks would be. I mean, sure. Mark or or Jessica or Melissa, who are the three that are wrote, wrote the book, so to speak, and then you know Dave Stroop, who who is part of that crew. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people that are doing this work. And have been doing it for a long time, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is probably everyone, whether it's Charlotte Danielson or, you know, uh, Howard Gardner or 
Maybe it was even um, Bloom, whatever Bloom's first name was. I'm sure he had one. Benjamin. Benjamin, of course. Of course, he had to be an alliteration. Um, <laughs> so um, so Benjamin Bloom, um, you know, all those folks, probably when they first were, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like all these things, I don't, hopefully they didn't think of these as um, like, cast in stone manifestations of truth i hopefully the people who originated them thought of them as an idea that was useful and helpful and but would dynamically grow and change over time because that's how ideas should work um but i do think they all people get frustrated with the idea that okay well now this thing is locked down and it only means one thing it's the thing yeah i mean dewey's scientific method yeah and i think the, the intent was never to have this turn into the two old men shaking fist at the Danielson cloud. Right. But I think that is sort of our core competency. (laughs) We just have different clouds. We shake our fist at, but (laughs) yeah, shaking fists at clouds. That's we should rename it. Rename the podcast. Yeah. This is really just us sitting on the back porch, looking up at the clouds. Like, what do you think that was? That's an elephant. That's not an elephant. elephant. (laughs) That's clearly an aardvark. You can see it right there. Yes. Ah, that's great. Fist at cloud. Yeah. All right. Well, we ready to put this to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I think I think some of our audience went to bed a little while ago, so so we can we can let them join. (laughs) (laughs) The Danielson framework will join you in your repose. Right. Uh, Yeah. Oh, great. All right, Joyce. Do you have 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 a joy? I do have a question before we jump into Joyce. If you were to describe the color of your shirt, what would that color? What what would that color be? Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's sort of. Wait, are you talking about the t-shirt under my? No, no. That is it. Is that a denim shirt? Is it denim? It isn't. It is not denim, but it does have a denim look to it. Because I am wearing a denim shirt today. I was going to point out that we are, in fact, once again, it's pretty close. Yeah. It is. All it's right. pretty close to denim, but it's not actually denim. Yeah. All it's, right. But thank it's, you for the it's denim wardrobe adjacent. analysis. You get that sure. as a bonus on this right. show. If you made it this far. <laughs> wardrobe analysis. All right. So um, here, I got a joy. You want me okay. to start? I can start. It sounds like you want to start. So I think you should start. So um, I'm a big fan of Frederick Bachman. Do you know this is? The writer who, he's Swedish. He's written like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anxious People and, yeah. you know, there's a ton of books he's written. Um, there's a series he's written called the Beartown series. Like, so there's yeah. three books yeah, in yeah. Beartown. And they're about like two hockey towns that are growing up next to each other. And uh, I, I think I talked about um, this when it came out on, I think it's a Netflix or. Yeah, you talked about Beartown. Beartown. So Beartown was yeah. the first one. And then Us Versus Them is the second book. And just in the last like six, eight months, uh, Winners came out, which is the third book in that series. Mm. And uh, I, I started reading about like, I don't know, two or three days ago. And I'm like, almost done. It's a gigantic book in terms of like in comparison to some of the other ones, it's like a 650 page book. And his other ones are much smaller than that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just like, what's cool about it and i was like a little resistant to read it at first even though i'm a big fan of the author is that i mean it's it's heavy it's heavy stuff like these two towns fight they they don't they don't get along they fight on the ice they fight off the ice there's lots of pain in these communities and it's it's hard it's a hard read so i was a little like dragging my feet like wanting to go back in this but these characters are all ones that you care about and so seeing it revisiting them it takes place like two and a half years after us versus them. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And so the ending of Us Versus Them kind of leaves things like unsettled. And so now you're visiting these folks that you've connected with down the road a bit and seeing where they ended up. And and it's <clears throat> it's really touching. And I'm just waiting for to get throat punched or heart punched here because <laughs> it's yeah. coming. It's coming. Yeah, it it sure always is. does. It always yeah. does with him. Yeah. He always like, yep. it's this slow simmer and you know, it's coming because he tells you something's coming, something's coming, you know? Yeah. And then when I hitch in the, and yeah, it just, yeah, I'm expecting this to be, because there's ones that, terrible. yeah, there are other ones where if I even talk about it, I get emotional. Yeah. If I even talk about it, I'm not going to, Yeah, but if I talk about those books, I start to get like teary eyed. Yeah. 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 I have struggled. I, I read Bear Town. And at the end was like that. I never want that experience again. Uh, I I don't, I don't like um, misery in my books like that. Um, I understand that you do like that and you, you gravitate towards those kinds of books, but I struggle with those kinds of books. Right. No, I get it. I get it. It's not for everybody. I mean, I just, I just like having an emotional connection, like, Mm -hmm. like with reading, I like it conjuring up emotions and I, I mean, I want there to be an emotional toll. I want there to be, I don't know. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't, I'm not opposed to that, but when it get when it feels to me to be unrelenting, it can be rough. Um, but, uh, but I'll, I'll choose something that's sort of related then, um, which is sort of a different version of the same genre. So I just read uh, Barbara Kingsolver's uh, Demon Copperfield, Copperhead demon copperhead sorry it's based or it's inspired by charles dickens's um david copperfield and thus the name demon copperhead um and it's it's a story about um rural poverty really um or rural life maybe it's unfair to say just poverty but rural life but with an emphasis on poverty it's about a young man who grows up in the foster care system and um has a drug addicted mother and it's, you know, it's complicated. Um, so in many respects, it's got some of the same pieces that Beartown does. Um, it's a little more redemptive uh, in its arc, but I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a, a wonderful book. And I think is, um, you know, also a sort of searing uh, commentary on, on our, on our current social circumstance in rural communities, especially around, drug addiction. And, you know, I mean, we've seen all, I think we've talked about dope sick and other, you know, oxy related, um, content. So this has that in it. It's written of that in that era. So, so, um, Damon is his name, but they call him demon. Um, as a nickname, he, he grows up in that era when, when oxy is just coming on the scene in, in, uh, you know, Appalachia and, and, uh, and his family and community has to deal with it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really good book. I mean, you don't won the Pulitzer prize, so I'm not really, uh, you know, recommending a, an obscure piece of literature here, but I do recommend it. It's really good. And I loved it. Yeah. That sounds awesome. It's been on my, it's come up a few times in my feed of books to to read. And so I, I, I I'm going to read it eventually. It's just, yeah. no, I give it two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. All and right. Maybe I'll revisit the other Bear Town ones at some point when I'm feeling. Oh, I don't know. Like the second one probably might be harder than the first. Oh, well, maybe I'll take a pass on that. <laughs> Find other things. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Um, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, mm. it's hard. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey. Hey. Hey, let's let's catch you next time. <laughs> In between. We'll see you then. Bye now. Bye now.